Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, you guys. Welcome to the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. And I got Rusty Brown here. What's happening, Rusty? What's going on, Guy? How you doing, buddy? Hey, man. I'm, I'm super stoked to have you here. Um, and I know it was a big deal for you to get here because um, you were guiding today. Where, where were you guiding at? I was up at uh, Lake Castaic. How so was it, it over was, there? It was pretty good. We caught uh, a fair amount of fish. The uh, last couple of days have been a little bit better, but... You know, the temperatures are warm, but fishing's been good up there. A lot, okay. of, a lot of small mouth, large mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God, I got I can't wait to, we're going to talk about all that stuff for sure. I didn't know there was small mouth in, mm-hmm. in Castaic. I'm a small mouth geek. Um, I'm going to talk to you. I don't know if you know this, but um, I the first time I saw you, I want to talk about that. And then the first time I met you, um, the first time I saw you, I was fishing. And I was on Lake Isabella and there was a bunch of people fishing uh, crappie and I was too and we were over at Kissick Cove mm-hmm. yep. and, and um, I didn't know you and you don't know this story but I'm telling you this story um, but uh, everybody's fishing the banks you know by those trees over there at Kissick Cove at Lake Isabella and they're, everybody's fishing towards the bank and then I, I hear this boat coming in and you're kind of uh, behind us you know, all these people and you're behind us fishing like the main the cove, right? And the cove's big and everything. And I, I just happened to turn around and you like cast this big old, I'm not sure what it was, right in the middle of the, of the cove, right? And I think it was your first cast. You just nailed this monster bass. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Just pulling <laughs> up and just tearing it up, right? So that was my first time I ever saw you because I, I recognized you, you know, later on. And then I think we kind of got to know each other at the Fred Hall shows, I believe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and what was so cool about that was it was like, you just like came up into the booth and just introduced yourself, you know, which I thought was really cool. And, um, and then you would, then you would venture off and I think you would do your seminars and stuff and then you'd venture back and say, Hey, you know, what's going on and stuff. I thought it was really cool, man. So I really appreciate that, you know, when you, uh, when you came in and stuff, so. Um, is that what you remember too? Oh or? yeah, that's, um, okay. absolutely. You know, I, I know I'd see a lot, all the shows, you know, and yeah. doing your booth and yeah. it's always cool. You know, it was cool talking with you and, and coming up and, you yeah. know, introduce myself to you and became friends and, yeah. you know, and you, we have a lot of, not only fly fishing, but you, you love bass fishing too. So that's cool. We're going to talk about that, man. It's awesome. So where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Tustin, California, uh, kind of orange County boy, but uh, more outdoorsman guy, you know, it's kind of mussy people think of Orange County as beachy, you know, you're in the yeah. surfing and stuff, which is cool. Uh-huh. But I grew up there, you know, went to Tustin High and, you know, been fishing up here since I was three years old. So, 
you know, with sports and stuff like that growing up and then coming up here on the weekends as much as I could fishing. It was cool. So were you just coming up with your dad fishing on Isabella? Yeah, coming up with my dad and my grandpa and Uh uh, my uncle, you know, Uh so we'd come and, you know, all of us would be up here and, you know, at that time when I was younger, didn't have a boat, so we'd float to the lake and then, I mean, did more fishing in the Kern on their trout fishing than anything. You oh, know, did just, you? Just wet waiting. I mean, uh-huh. like, you know, a lot of the guys that know I bass fish, I grew up, I mean, the trout fishing's been my love for a lot of years, you know, and then the bass fishing's just been what I do. So, but uh, the Kern River is the best trout fishery, in my opinion. I mean, you can go, you know, all the way up to Johnsondale and beyond and catch as yeah. many trout as you want at certain times of the year. So, but I learned how to fish from the Kern River to just the way the trout positioned himself in the eddies and the flies that they would eat and, you know, the rocks when they change color and the sunlight and you learn a lot, you know, trout yeah. fishing is similar to bass fishing in yeah. a lot of ways, especially when you're, you know, you're doing the stream thing because everything's finesse and you got to be very cautious when you pull up on a, on a trout in a pool or sure. same as a bass, you know, you can't just come rolling in with your motor and doing all that. So but I just, I just fell in love with this place. I mean, I grew up here. A lot of my friends fished Big Bear. That was kind of their home. But when I was younger, it was like, you know, my dad always had the place up here. So it's like, it's an oh. excuse to come up. Oh, know? okay. So you guys, where, where's that? In Isabella? In... Uh, Kernville. We're right here. Oh, we're, oh you have yeah, a place here in my Kernville? My dad's a place right in, oh. off of Orlando. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that, man. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought you were on the other side of the, no. the lake. Oh, cool. Yeah, he bought the place in 81. So I was uh, two years old at the time. Three, oh, two or three years old dude yeah. i had no idea yeah. you were that close oh, oh yeah. my god it's pretty cool so you're fishing locally um and then how did how did you get into you know bass fishing um was it isabella it was your first initial yeah. start yeah that was the first start i mean uh i was nine years old and i remember this like it was yesterday just like you know you've got stories and stuff that you yeah. remember but um i was nine years old and i was fishing the bank from at camp nine so uh-huh. I walked down where the rocks were, a little bit to the left where the launch ramp is when the water's high. Yeah. And throwing a white spinner bait, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. My pops was there, my uncle was there, and it's like. How old were just, you? I was nine. Okay. That's when I caught my first bass. And uh-huh. it's funny, there was a game warden that came down and went and walked down and saw me catch it. And he went and checked my dad's license and my uncle's license, at the, you know, after I'd brought the fish in and everything. So from that, from then on, I was just like, I was hooked. I mean, that one fish, I was like, I love trout, but I wanted to you know branch out and do both trout and bass you know yeah. fish fish for like trout all the time but then go out and, and do bass fishing to see yeah. you know hone your skills right. you know and um you just like to fish i just love to fish i mean i'm <laughs> fishing the bay now for spotties and yeah i'll fish whatever i'll fish a toilet if there's fish in it. <laughs> <laughs> right you know so, so you know that's a that's really cool i mean i have a similar story too i would i'm sure if we were younger we would have been good friends um i was just i would all i wanted to do was fish yeah surf skateboard all that kind of stuff you know all outdoor stuff for sure so you are the 2013 one bass u.s open champion is that right yeah that's right <laughs> dude what's that like oh man is that just sick Pretty, yeah it's you know it I appreciate that, man. It's, um, you really, it's, it's hard to, you hard to even talk talk because you just, you're, you're so, I was so excited to win that tournament, but it was also just so many years of following all the big fishermen that are in there. You know, you got the, yeah. all the big guns and it's like, yeah. if you could just place in that tournament and, yeah. you know, even if you get a check or not, if you can get in the top 50, that's an accomplishment in that tournament, you know? And How it's many like, people are in that thing? Um, 
let's see. There's uh, the year that I won. They were averaging about 120 to about 150, <laughs> and now insane. they're and now I think they're doing they're doing like 200 or 250, uh-huh. which is awesome. I mean, it's just they've got you know a lot of guys that are coming from all over to fish it, but um, it, it's it, you really, it's hard. To, I mean, you can see I'm, it's hard to talk about even the, the that lake because it's just such a great lake but it's a love and hate relationship what, with what fishermen. Lake, what lake? Lake, lake mead yeah lake it's a mead. lake mead okay so it's like you go out there and it's everybody loves the lake it's i've never seen guys get more excited about catching a two pound bass because uh-huh. <laughs> on lake mead a two pound bass is a good fish oh is it oh yeah i mean okay. you, you get eight to ten pounds in the u.s open just about any year you're going to be in the money you're going to be in the top 10 top 15 for sure uh-huh. um but it's just it's just a tough lake it just it hones your skills you know it's just the bass are not easy to catch and you know i was able to put it together for three days and uh, keep myself I, I put myself where i could give myself a chance to get in a top 10 i just wanted to get a top 10 and i'd worked hard to do it and um you know the outcome was unbelievable to get the first place was <laughs> With those guys too, I mean, with Clifford Perch and Brett Height and all the guys, Aaron Martins, or all those guys are in there. I mean, I love those guys because I followed them since I was twelve years old. How cool is got, that? I still got old clip outs, like clip, clip out magazine cuttings of these guys that I still keep uh-huh. of, of certain tournaments that they won or what they used. I mean, that's wow. how extreme you know when you're passionate yeah. about it. I think you got to go the extra mile and do your extra homework and. Just there's so many good fishermen in, in California in general. I mean, it's just awesome. How many competitions did you do before you did that one? Um, I've probably you mean just fished or yeah. I mean, how many competitions? I mean, was there any a lot of competitions that you were in before you yeah. actually? Yeah, I fished the U.S. Open. My first year at U.S. Open was in 2000, so I was uh, I was 20 at the time. Okay. And I just I mean I didn't go in as a co angler. I just said you know what I'm just going to jump in the pool you know and it was like. You know, I'd been fishing local tournaments, you know, always supported one bass and AB, American bass. And, you know, they had Angler's Choice at the time. There was a lot of organizations in that early 2000s. Um, and a lot of my friends and, you know, guys that I've known forever were fishing those circuits. But I was like, you know what, you got to go out there and, you know, let's jump in the pool and, you know, see how see what you can do. And I went out there and it just it was about just basically just seeing what it was like to compete with those guys. Right. Guys you looked up to. For sure. Know? I mean. So that tournament was my first big tournament, but, and then I started fishing, you know, uh, one bass, Mike Kennedy was running the one bass circuit, um, Bill Hutchinson and now Billy Egan's done a great job, you know, mm-hmm. running it. And, um, you know, it's amazing work that he does just to keep all of us. It's like, he's the ringleader, you know, it's a, it's a big circus tent with all of us in it. But was so it cool? Were, cool? were those guys, what were those guys like when you won? Were they, did they come up to you and say congratulations type of a deal were they were they cool yeah it was super cool a lot oh, of the guys so, i mean all the guys they're such great fishermen you know i got yeah. you know so much respect for all the guys that fish but i, I was very very would put a smile on my face was is on the third day you know the third day at a u.s open especially if you're in that top five or top three you know by then most guys are kind of knowing where you're at where you're fishing you know the word kind of gets out hey the the guy in the top five or the top ten he's fishing in overton or he's fishing in you know, oh, Temple really? Bar or Greg's Basin. Well, I happened to be in Greg's Basin. So um, it was really cool to have like a half a dozen guys that are really good guys that they basically said, hey, uh, you know, Rusty, we, we know you're on fish. And I'm, and I'm talking to these guys pretty close to me, you know, and I was on a certain pattern. I was fishing a couple, a couple grass beds and a couple of points that had a lot of fish on it. And they said, hey, man, 
you know, we're, um, you know, we know you, you got an opportunity to win this thing. So we'll, we'll make sure we give you your space and make sure no one's going to come up on you, you know? So that no was way. cool. And these guys in the competition, these guys are fishing in the tournament that they're, they have a chance to get a good check. Maybe uh-huh. they, maybe they weren't in the, in the, in the, you know, in the contention, right. but to have that, I thought was really cool. And I had guys literally that were just, they, they were making sure that, you know, guys, cause guys roll up on guys and it's like, it's part of this. It's part of the sport. You can either love it or hate it, you know, but it's like guys will come up and, some of the guys that are down in like, you know, maybe towards the bottom standings, they may have an opportunity to catch a couple fish and, you know, stumble upon something. So it's kind of cool when you got guys that were like, Hey, you know, Rusty, yeah. go get them, man. You're, you're in second place going into day three, you know, go catch them, do your, do your work, you know? So you that's know. cool. So in but the, it's hard to hide on Lake Mead. You can't I hide know, as big they, like it is. Rusty's over at that cove. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> it, it goes with anybody. I mean, you, yeah. you once you put three days in, by the third day, there's a lot of areas beat up. There's a lot of water that maybe hasn't been hit. But the problem is, is you're trying to find new water is, is impossible. You're going to be fishing, use water. It's right. just a matter of, it's all a timing thing. If you can roll up on a spot and there's some bait in there and they're feeding, you can hit them quick. If not, at noon, you could be going one or two fish and going, I need to catch three more. And it's <laughs> stressful. <laughs> it's dude. so stressful. I, know. I can imagine. But it's fun. It's I totally saw fun. this one video of this one dude, this one competition. And this dude, he won it and he, he called his wife and he's all, honey, I did it. And it was like a big check, you know, because it was like, you know, he, if he didn't win, it was like, you mm-hmm. know, they didn't, they didn't have any money, you know, so it was a big yeah. deal. Um, so what are those? competitions in the morning like is there like a hundred boats on the water and everybody's like waiting for their turn to like take off type of a deal yeah they usually um yeah most of the the big tournaments u.s open for example is probably the best example but you know they have a certain time where they want everybody on the water and that can be from anywhere from 4 35 in the morning you know even 5 30 most guys will get on about 4 35 if they're in the top 100 going out and then they launch everybody um they usually do flights of maybe 20 25 boats and those are about every five to 10 minutes, say, I mean, by the time they run through them and then the other guys are waiting. So you stage, you know, you have a boat number, let's say your number 67. Well, they're going to start and go from like, you know, first boat out all the way down to say 200. And then the second day they'll flip flop it. So the 200 both will go out first uh, and then they'll go, the, the guy that's the first, first number boat, he'll go out last on the second day. Oh, damn. So it's just, it's, it's, it's an adrenaline rush. Cause you yeah. know, they do, um, they'll get everybody out. Then, you know, they're not all blasting off at once. It's all, like I say, 20 to 25 boats, maybe even 30 boats at some, some flights depends on how big it is. Mm-hmm. And then, um, everybody gets out safely that way. So then you come in, you got a certain way in time, your way in time may be three thirty. Mine might be four o'clock. I see. So, okay. Yeah. So you got to come in at a certain time, certain time for, the, for that flight. You oh, know? Okay. There's usually eight to 10 flights usually in a, in a big tournament like that. So. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the tournament. Sure. That's cool. So mm-hmm. the first day, so what number were you? Uh, boy, I don't even know what number. Uh, I, I know I was probably, I think I was middle of the pack. Okay. So the first day. So you did you pre-fish and kind of know where you were going to go? Yeah. You oh, know, okay. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I usually do four or five, four or five days of pre-fish before the oh, tournament. okay. And then uh, get it wired. Been, yeah, and I'd been fishing that area, Greg's Basin and Temple Bar, for the last three or four years. Okay. And I had an opportunity. The one year I was, I had some good fish, and they just, you know, you lose a few, and that's you can't have that happen. I mean, you got to fish clean in that tournament. Uh-huh. So, um, but I had a pretty good idea of the area on each year. On as long as the water level wasn't really dropping that far mm-hmm. it, at that time, it wasn't 
they weren't pulling it like they're pulling it now but i was able to kind of get a pattern and get a feel of the area if the grass was going to be starting to grow maybe in 2009 and then 2011 was there more rocks out of the water that had stick-ups you know every year is a little different on mead i think right now you're trying to find a stick or a rock because there's a lot of sand out there because uh, all the good structures right out of the water with a drought so the first day you, you went right to your spot, right? Went right to the spot and got a, and got start a limit. sticking fish? Yeah, I got a limit by like 8 o'clock. And I got down there like at 7. Wait, so you just went in after that? No, I just okay. ended up, you, you end up culling. If you, if you can cull the fish, you get your five in, five in the live well. Yep. And then you just keep you, you changing get them your, out. Your biggest fish, you take out your smallest one and throw it back. Okay. So I was fortunate enough. Uh, my co caught a three, a little over three pounder. Oh, you're fishing with somebody? With a co, yeah. It's okay. combined weight. So, oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I was able, he was able to catch a three, a little over, th- like almost a three and a half. It was like three to three and a half pounder, like the first fish of the day. And I'm going, that right there sets the whole tone. I mean, that fish is not going to be getting cold. That fish is going to the scales for sure. Cause you're not throwing, if you're throwing back a three pounder, your weight is really serious. But yeah. It, it wasn't going to happen. He says, Oh, this one, we maybe I'll throw back. And I just, it was his first time to Lake Mead, super cool guy. And he's like, yeah. I go, no, you don't understand that fish. It's probably worth a thousand dollars for you and we're going to take that fish for a ride back to the scales and then i ended up catching a good one like a two pounder and we caught a couple more good keepers and then he caught another one we had like literally like 10 almost 10 pounds like at 8 30 in the morning so that was a good you know you did you know you were looking good at that uh, point i was looking good for the first day i figured okay. i was in the top 20 going in you know okay. i had about 10 pounds that's usually a good good tone setter so first day you were what what uh first day after day one i was in ninth okay so yeah, you're sitting yeah. good. Then. 142 boats, I think exactly was in uh-huh. the tournament. So I was sitting in the top 10 going in the, going into day two, which I felt that was good, you know, mm-hmm. but then day two has always been, it's funny. We're talking about the U S open day two has always been kind of hindered me. It's kind of been the day that I, I don't know why my struggle, my, it's more of a struggle day for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, can, I can sometimes stay kind of in the mix, but then there's times like day two, I just, you catch three fish or I've had a couple of day twos. I think I've blanked over the years mm-hmm. and it's just been kind of that, you know, if you make the wrong decision, you're, you can't play catch up at Mead. You know, you, um, you know, you can't win the tournament on the first day, but you sure can lose it. Uh-huh. So, so I, I felt that I had a good weight the first day. I was happy about going into day two saying if I can just get eight or nine pounds, um, not worry about 10 pounds. Cause I had like 10, 17, whatever I had the first day. And then I'm saying, you know what, if I can get, eight or nine, 10 pounds the second day, then I'm going to give myself a chance to be right in the mix going into day three. So day so. two, did you go the same spot? Same spot on day two, but the conditions were a little different. It was a little mm-hmm. bit flatter. There uh-huh. wasn't much wind. My The bait that was in the area, they weren't real active. So I had to kind of wait them out. Well, luckily the bait started getting active around like eight o'clock. I got down there about seven, six thirty, I think it was. Uh-huh. So I had my limit by nine thirty the second day. So it took me a little while to get the limit, but I had about, I don't know, seven and a half pounds or so. I didn't have a big limit, but I had a limit. When you say bait, are you talking shad? Shad, bluegill, okay. little okay. small. There was little small bluegills with chartreuse tails okay. um, that were swimming through these grass beds. And okay. the shad were really, really like chubby, like little shad. They weren't really mm-hmm. big. Um, and I was able to match the hatch. I had a little square bill, Storm Arashi, that was a, called a hot shad. And that color matched the bluegill perfect. And mm-hmm. I'd run that through the sticks on day two up shallow in Greg's Basin. And then I'd follow it up with a small 
three eighths pro line spinner bait and the blades had to have been really tiny. They were like a little small willow leaf blades to mimic the fat part of the shad. Mm-hmm. So it, it just was a perfect match. It was a match to hatch tournament is what yeah. it was. Uh-huh. And I was able to just get the right baits that I felt that could get the right bites. So, nice. So, okay. So you came back on the second day with, you said seven pounds? Uh, no, I had seven and a half in the morning oh. and I made a, a gamble. I said, I got to get out of here. And I told my co, I said, we got to get out of here. And I go, we're going to stop in Temple Bar. And I pulled in Temple Bar uh, between Jawbone and the Haystacks. So, so is this like way far away from Pretty like, far. So you guys are just hauling ass across. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, pretty okay. far. I mean, okay. you're talking Colville to to Greg's Basin. It's probably an hour run. Oh, okay. Going 65, 70 miles an hour. Oh, know? okay. And this, and it's a little shorter now because the lake's smaller. Uh-huh. But uh, Temple Bar is probably 45 minutes, you know, I would say. So... I went from Greg's to Temple Bar because I'm heading back to Colville, uh, working my way back. And that was like 20 minute run from Greg's to whatever. And I pull in there and I caught a, a two, what did I catch? A three, 392, almost a four pounder. Oh yeah, that's going to do and it. And on a small little salt and pepper worm. And I just freaking threw that thing out there and hooked up. I, I felt the mush and I set the hook. And this thing jumped completely out of water. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I go, we need this fish. Mm -hmm. So once I put that in the well, took the small one out. We had 10, a little over 10, whatever it was. So two days in a row with 10 pounds, I'm feeling pretty good. I I knew I was in the top 10. You Mm -hmm. know, I figured I was in the top 10. But, you know, you're... You're kind of doing the math and you're just kind of like, you know, but I'm not getting too excited about it because you got a lot of work to do. Concentrate. Well, third day is the big day, you know, yeah. so you, you can, you're either going to keep steady yeah. or you're going to bomb, you know, and you hope you, hope you just, I just want to catch a limit on day three was my goal. Okay. So after uh, the second day, you come in on, on to the dock mm-hmm. and then what do you guys do? Cause you so, guys aren't going partying cause you gotta be, no, you guys no, gotta no. be hanging out just. Yeah. You know, getting your stuff together probably, right? Right, right. So we weigh in, we come to the weigh-in to drive, drive-through weigh-in. So mm-hmm. we've got our, you know, got our fish, holding them in the bags, the bump takes, they get weighed in. Um, so when I weighed my fish, after the whole weigh-in was done, um, I had found out I was in second place. So, you know, the guys like, uh, that were interviewing, they're interviewing the guys in the top five. So, you know, they come up and they're interviewing me and I was, I was super excited, you know, but I was also like, hey, you know, you know, tomorrow's going to be a different day. And usually on Lake Mead, you know, you get that weather change and it's always one of the days is going to be a little bit different. And that's sure enough on day three. Wind? Know, uh, a little bit in, uh, uh, up up in Greg's Basin, but more so uh, rain. It started raining. Clouds yep. were dark. Okay. Um, I think it was real windy on day two, but I, I had an earlier weigh-in on day two. So I was able to get back into the scales and weigh in. And then towards the afternoon, they had the tarps and the tents were getting blown around where the scales were because the guys that had the 435 weigh-ins were in the middle of that weather. You oh, know, the thunder showers, thunder, whatever yeah. kind of wind, you know. So if you've ever been on Lake Mead, you can know it's yeah, it's brutal. True. When that wind comes up, It's it can be really bad. So, so, um, so you head out there on the third day. It's, mm-hmm. You got storms and stuff. So what did you do? Did you change tactics and what did, what did you do? I did. I picked up a topwater lure, which I've always oh, really? loved topwater fishing. Yeah. And, um, I picked up a couple of different ones. I picked up a little, um, a little Rapala. They call it a skitter walk. It's a bone color. Uh-huh. And then I was throwing a smaller, uh, similar one with that. It had a little bit of chartreuse and white, you know, cause when the sun comes out, I like the bone colors. And then when the clouds come up, we, you probably know just yeah. like the chartreuse is a, is a money bait. Uh-huh. And, um, I, I, we had a limit in the morning, uh, took a little longer on day three. I had a limit by 10 o'clock, I think something like that. 
And I said to myself, I'm leaving Greg's basin at noon. I cannot stay because my weigh-in was like early. It was like three, I think it was. So uh, my co-angler, it was funny, this guy, I think his name's Seth Huthausen. He's a really cool dude. He's a big hunter out of like Utah or something like that. And he's like 19 at the time. He says, hey, Rusty, man, we need to get you something to eat, man. You're looking a little pale looking, you know, because I'm focused on fishing, you know. You know how it is. We we never eat. We never (laughs) eat out there. So he's like, this kid's awesome. He pulls a sandwich out and gives me a sandwich. I start chewing on that thing while I'm casting. And all of a sudden I look up at the sky and it's like starting to like rain a little bit. And it's Mm -hmm. hot out, you know. And the waves, a little bit of ripple started blowing into the bank where these grass beds were. And you could actually see the grass beds moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they were hard to, hard to tell where the grass beds were at because they were off, short, off structure. And I'd found them, you know, in pre-fish. So anyways, long story short on that, um, I picked up my top bar lure. And I think the third cast, I caught a 344. Oh, so I took, I took my 1.226 or whatever was in there as my fifth fish. And let it go in the water and see you later and replaced it with a 344. So Whoa. my weight now is going up. And then I think a half an hour later, um, I caught a 289. So almost three pounder. So now you're, you're I think, really I think we were seven and a half or something yeah. or even eight. And we jumped almost like three and a half pounds. I think it was, it was crazy. So, um, we had about almost 11 pounds after day three, you know, when I weighed, it was 1080, 1081, 1082. So you had, t- you had three over 10 pound days, uh, three over 10 pounds. I was the only yeah. guy to catch over 10 every day. So yeah, I was very, very fortunate on yeah. that. Yeah. And that's it's awesome. And it's, you know, it doesn't seem like much weight, you know, but yeah. you start looking on Lake Mead and you that's, know, that's it's it. like, there's there's not enough fish in that lake that there, there's a lot of small ones but there's just so much dead water you know yeah. i think the i was going to ask you on trout fishing is they say 90 percent of the fish are in 10 percent of the water right is that similar for trout too yeah usually i mean yeah, yeah. so that's how lake mead is if yeah. you find that that 10 percent you're going to yeah. be you know you're going to be good so but it, it worked out you know that tournament you just never know and then i had you know each day i made that long run so now I've got to say to myself, okay, it's a little breezy in Greg's basin. I still got to get through the basin. The basin's the ugly part. You know, is it going to be nasty? The weather's bad? Or is it going to be smooth? Sand? Well, of course, it was snotty. Not bad. I've seen it worse, but I was able to cut through and then, you know, make check my fish, make sure they were, the water level usually goes down in your live wells a little bit because of the pounding of the boat. Okay. So I, I stopped. to keep those guys alive, huh? Yeah, I stopped in the front of the narrows and slowed down. And my co-owner looked at me and says, what's wrong? Because, you know, he's thinking, oh, man, what's going on? I said, no, no, I'm just slowing down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure my pumps are running good, and I'm going to pump my level back up to make sure I got enough water so we're not just buzzing in and these fish are, you know, in like four inches of water. So, yeah. But I was able to, to pump the water back up recirculate everything i put a little bit of ice in the in the live well which is good to do and mm-hmm. uh, keeps them a little bit cooler and then from there it's about a 20 minute run to colville so and that's that was a smooth sailing one so once i got back in to the colville area i knew i i, I gave myself a chance hey i've done is all i could do in this tournament and i was pretty sure i had a top 10 finish mm-hmm. just because of the last two days but again you never know i mean clifford perch ran he came out with 15 pounds on day three Oh, okay. He's a stud. I love yeah. Clifford. He's a good, good fisherman. So, so um, you're, the guy that you're fishing with, is he assigned to you? Uh, or it's, yeah, is it's that how it works? like out of a hat, you know, they oh, just, okay. they, they do a random draw. So they pair guys. It's at the partner pairing. They'll uh-huh. put, you know, three guys, uh, on a, on a card and it'll have the pro and then I'll be with three different co-anglers. 
Oh, I so see. Like, he could be from anywhere. Like I had one guy from NorCal, one guy from Utah, and I think the other guy was from Stockton. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. so three different guys. Three different guys. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can use their fish if you need to? Well, or? It's, it's combined weight. So you're, okay. you're, the goal is, like me and you are fishing together, the uh-huh. goal is to catch five fish total. Yeah. And that's just perfect. I love that setup. Yeah. And that way we're, we're, we're working as a team for eight hours to go out and catch our best five we can catch. Right. Which I love that. It's fun. That's way cool. Yeah. So they have a bass and fly up. Have you heard of that? Bass and fly? It's called the bass and fly up in uh, um, Discovery Bay area. Okay. And it's all, it's, it's basically like the same kind of a deal except it's all fly fishing. And so one year they were going to, I was going to go fish it. They were going to set me up with a bass pro like yourself and he didn't fly fish. So it was going to be kind of a cool thing. You know, we, I had fished with him and he knew the Delta and stuff, but you know, he had to use a fly rod. It would have been cool. So we need to, we need to go fish that tournament. Me and Heck yeah. We'll do it, man. <laughs> That'd, be awesome. do it. That'd be so cool. <laughs> He's got to show me a little fly fishing Dude, tricks. And, it would be amazing. And I'll put us to the bass. That's right. So, <laughs> okay. Great. So coming back in on the third day, you have a good idea that you're going to win the tournament. But not win it. Top, if I felt that I was going to be in the top 10. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. feeling good. I'm feeling you're good. Feeling yeah, good. You, ne- you never know. You never think you've won okay. Lake at Lake Mead. <laughs> okay. So I want to, I want to mm-hmm. get to the feeling of like, and how, how did they announce it um, when, I mean, everybody comes in and then they do have a big like area where they're going to announce like the winner and you're just like, yeah, you get yeah like what, what they do is, is they did it a pretty cool feature. What they did was, is they did the top 10 guys. So the top 10 guys were the, we were the last guys to weigh in. Okay. So from 10th down to first, which was leading after day two, um, I was in second place. Uh, Brett Height was in first, and then Clifford was in. I don't know what place he was in. He was in the, the mix with, you know, guys like Gary Dobbins. I know I'm naming all these guys right now. There's great, great fishermen. Great fishermen, yeah. Um, but but then, you know, little Joe Uribe, great fisherman. He was in the. He was like sixth or seventh, I think, going into day three. So they ended up actually having everybody weigh in. You know, the whole 130 boats or 128 boats, whatever. And then they had us sitting at the dock with our boats in the water, live holes were running. And then once everybody weighed in, then they had us all get, get out one by one and drive up and make it into a big, like oh, a big cool. stage, which was cool. I'm glad Billy did it that way. Was there a bunch of people there too? Oh, there's a lot of people. Oh, yeah, sweet. Cause everybody was on, they did that. I think they did the coast alive. Oh, know? nice. So that's cool. They do coast of glasses, man. I know you wear them. You yeah, love yeah. them, man. They're great. Yeah. Um, but they ended up doing it. So they weighed in, 10th place first, ninth, you know, and then work your way down to the guys that were in first, second, and third, and pretty intense. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I felt that, I felt that I had a good chance of getting in the top 10, but I didn't know I had a one, you know, I mean, I, I, you you don't know, you know, and it's like with those guys, I I was nervous. I mean, it's like funny that some of the guys said, I was pacing a little bit on the stage because, you know, your, your (laughs) adrenaline's running, you know, you're trying to keep as calm as you can, but you're saying to yourself, Hey, you put, you know, like Billy told me, Hey, you put yourself in a position to, to be here right now Yeah, and you, you know, you do your best you can. And, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty intense, you know, and they just went from all the weights down. And then when the, when I weighed my fish, I was able to, uh, bump, bump Clifford Perch off the hot seat. And then um, I'm just, that that alone was like it's worth, worth the whole tournament. It's yeah. like Clifford Perch has won like I think he's won three or four U.S. Opens, three for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's I was like Clifford, man. It's like it's like you know just an honor to have him right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and then when I when I took the hot seat, there was only one more boat to weigh in, and that was Brett Height. And Brett Height, I've known him forever. He's a great fisherman. That guy's doing well on the you know the MLF tour and Elite Series. He's just been a guy I've always 
looked up to, especially in the Colorado River. He's always done well, you mm-hmm. know. So um, I think he needed like ten and a half pounds, and then when the scale hit nine oh four, I was just like, "What did I, you do?" I was just—I mean, I was just, just calm, stunned. I don't even—I'm not even calm, but I didn't even. It's just like holy, holy mackerel! Like, and when they announced that Dickie won the U.S. Open, I'm going, "Wow, dude, it's insane!" <laughs> you, know, it's just, you don't even know what to say. Yeah, you know. But um, but I it'd been my eleventh one that I've been at, so it's like. I felt that being a little bit of an of a veteran yeah. in it, it kind of kept my nerves. I was actually pretty calm by the dock at 6 a.m. on the third day, you know, with my co-anger. I just said, hey, let's just go out and have fun and go do this. I mean, nice. you know, you can't get stressed. If I, I figured if I could go out and do my game and catch a limit and have fun and not get too wrapped up on the stress part. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. We'll have a pretty good chance of doing well. It's a good way to look at it. You know, you got to keep calm. You can't, you know, because that's, you you don't want to get the yips and the... (laughs) last day of a of a golf tournament or a freaking fishing tournament or whatever right so okay so they announce it and then they do they like hand you like a big money check too or no they do the awards yeah everybody had to get back to the i think it's the railhead room or Uh the boulder room whatever it is at boulder station so um you know i had to get back they had a certain time i think the thing started at eight o'clock uh-huh. so and it was like six or something or seven whatever time it was and then we get back so i was able to get back to my hotel you know take a shower get oh, myself um, uh-huh. you know i know the guys pretty well at sunset station so i literally just parked my boat into the parking structure i know the security guys well and they basically just took care of the boat because i didn't have time to like put everything away yeah i mean i literally had to haul butt all the way from colville to the to sunset station and then i had to drive from there to the boulder station which is like seven miles away across town where the headquarters is okay so i had to hustle so then and then you go there so you go there and then they they do you know the the sponsor stuff and billy gets up and does all the you know talking about the tournament and everything and then they start from you know the 
the what is it the um, I think they paid forty spots or something like that. So oh. thirty thirty or forty spots. So they start from there and then they do the co anglers and then they work your way down. So you know you're gonna be there a while. I think it was about ten o'clock when they got down to the top five guys and then it was so cool just to see all the guys getting their awards and then yeah and then they had me come up when I when they called me up and you know you're the last person standing yeah. there it's pretty cool that's a trip and, man um, yeah it was pretty neat man it was pretty cool I the thing I really loved about it though and it's like and um you know being able to talk with Aaron Martins because I've known Aaron you know pretty well you know I don't know him that great but I we've we've seen each other a lot and talked and um he always asked me about my guide service but um I just wish him I, I hope you know he gets better you know I know he's going through a lot right now and um, health wise. So he's just, I, I consider him as like the God of bass fishing. So it was neat to have him talking to me before, you that's know, awesome. a guy that's won the thing three times and he's just standing there where we're just sitting there talking in the, you know, the bar area before they announced me to come up. And I'm just like, wow, Aaron Martins, you know, we're just talking and he was just really cool. He says, Hey man, congrats. And you know, he said, I'm, I'm proud of you. And you know, I was like, dang, that's pretty cool. That so is, that, really that cool. actually probably made, made my tournament. The whole deal is just to be able, and, and now what he's going through, like, he's a strong guy. He's going to, he's going to get through this and, and feel better. And, uh, he's, I mean, guys, always, guys always ask me, Hey, if you had to pick one guy to go into a tournament with, I mean, there's a lot of good fishermen, but Aaron Martins is not a bad choice to take. He's a badass, you know. Huh? Yeah. He's really cool. So. All right. So you, you win the thing. And so then our, our, like sponsors like knocking on your door and, and stuff like that how's that go down i picked up you know my guide service business probably went up 40 percent right on so that was cool uh -huh. um but i picked up a few sponsors you know uh -huh. from it and it was uh, a lot of it was just the sponsors that i had had yeah you know, I've, I've always been big you know on loyalty and having the sponsors and keeping them um, and we've been through a lot, you know, over the years, just, mm -hmm. just with, you know, we had that big economy thing and what, oh six, oh seven, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did, I picked up a few that were really good sponsors and then these ones were like, Hey man, you know, you've been with us for a long time and we've, we've, we've had each other's back and they were able to step up and, you know, Sweet. definitely be cool. It was cool about getting that little bit of extra yeah, yeah. after the thing was done. But, um, you know, it's, I've always said about bass fishing or even any kind of fishing, it's never about the money. We we yeah. do we do it because we love it. I For mean, sure. even if we weren't getting paid, it's it's never. I've never been about that. I love it so much that yeah. you, we we would just we just do it because we love it. I mean, right. I know you could probably agree with that too. Absolutely. You know, I haven't just, worked in twenty years. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's about me too. We, we don't know what work is. Uh, no, but it's uh, it was cool, man. It was fun yeah. to fun to be able to to just be part of that whole experience, you know? Right on. But then you lick, you lick your wounds like me snooty because it's like, you'll go there and then you won't, you know, I've had yeah. tournaments where you just, you, you catch two or three fish in the whole tournament. It's like, you get a Brutal. good wake up call, which is actually good for, good for a fisherman because it, 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 it keeps you humble. Yeah. I mean, are you competing still? You know, this year I, I probably will get back, uh, the last couple of years. I, I haven't been on any many tournaments, if any, a few team tournaments. Uh -huh. So I'm just trying to eat inch, inching my way back in. I'm going to be getting on the circuit next year, 2022. I figured, you know, get, get ready to get back on a, cool. on a, on a nice circuit fish of the, the Cal open, the Arizona open and the U S open. So do I'm the, excited about fishing that and a few team tournaments. I like fishing a few up here at Isabella. And do you, have you fished any here lately? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we fished or, a few. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I fished that, I fished that circuit a little bit. My pops. What, so. What's it called? It's just American bass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a guy, a local guy here named John, 
Van Ressler. Do you know oh, him? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Van, Van Ressler. Van Ressler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a super cool guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been doing well. Yeah, he on does this, well on the Isabella. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. yeah. What's up, John? I'm sure he'll listen <laughs> yeah, to this. What's thing. up, John? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a tournament angler, do they can they survive off their sponsors and like just, you know. Uh, do a, have a living doing that? I mean, is that something that a lot of people are doing? A lot of anglers, pro anglers are doing? Is it surviving off of that or they have yeah, big gigs? Yeah, you can. I mean, you've got to, I mean, you know how social media is and stuff. You've got to yeah. really promote yourself. You've yeah. got to do a lot of things to kind of get that rolling, you know, keeping the sponsors, doing, for sure. you know, what you can for sponsors and for obviously companies that are supporting you. Um, there's guys that are making a living doing it. You know, there's, there's a, there's a list of guys that are up in the MLF tour and the, you know, the elites or the FLW they're, they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's guys that are, you know, they're, they're making a good amount of money on tournaments, but they've also got, you know, contracting jobs or they're, you know, they're construction workers or, you know, they do a combination, you know? So it's, um, I guess it just depends where you live, where you're at, how many events you're fishing. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're fishing a lot of, uh, events and you're doing a lot of charity work and stuff like that. I think doing that kind of work, you're going to get a little bit more longevity out of sponsors because then they, uh, sh- then they, then they see the support that you're doing, you know, and, if, right. and then added to all the, you know, social media stuff is huge for sponsors. They get a lot of, uh, you know, stuff from that. And, um, I think it's just, I mean, you just got to keep, keep doing it, keep grinding it. You know, there's a lot of people out there and there's so many great fishermen that, you know, everybody's trying to promote themselves and do uh, a great job of doing that. And there's little, there's little door openings that if you get that opportunity, I think anybody should take advantage and, uh, and, and support that door opening, you know, oh, for sure. Yeah. You guys have, um, different boats. I mean, there's a lot of different boats out there. What do you, what do you have? I run a, uh, a Ranger, uh, Z five twenty one. You guys, uh, like the, the, a lot of you guys have the Rangers. Huh? Are those yeah. like the, the best? Or uh, what's up? I, I like the Ranger, you know, I, I've, I've always ran a Ranger. I, I like uh-huh. the stability of the boat. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the fastest boat, but I like that it's real stable. Um, you know, it's real safe for me. Um, it works out great, you know, for uh-huh. my clients and I just like the big platform, but you know, Rangers, Rangers always been kind of the, the boat I've liked. There's a lot of good boats out there though. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of boats that are starting to new boat companies and, you know, uh, um, boat, boats that are, you know, 21 foot, 22 foot, uh, the aluminum market's really going good too. Rangers got a good aluminum and I know there's Bass Tracker and there's different ones, but, um, I just, I, yeah, I've always, you know, it's kind of run with your brung. I've always loved Ranger. Cool, so. man. What's, uh, let's, let's talk bass. Cause I got a bunch of questions that I want to talk to you sure. about. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. Buddy. <laughs> let's talk more bass <laughs> because that, that's my favorite too. So what, what do you think that makes bass so popular? I think what, what makes bass a largemouth bass, we'll just use that because that's, that's yeah. pretty much what everybody loves. Um, I just think that the, it's, it's just the, it's the game fish that you never can figure out. It's, it's their, they they look funny actually when you look at them you know they do they actually that's <laughs> right. kind of the, they look funny they yeah. have like their you know when their mouth when uh-huh. their mouth is is closed and their eyeballs are looking at you it's almost like a, I don't even know how you can explain it they have just a weird face but then when you open their mouth and you're holding them they're beautiful or if they open their mouth to eat a shad yeah they look cool um, but I just think that they're you know bat, people say fish aren't smart and you know there's biologists obviously they know more about it than I do but. I just feel like they're real, they're real unpredictable. For they, sure. They, huh? Yeah. They, they, like where they the have, hell did they go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have little attitudes on them, but right. they're, 
there, um, I think what makes, to answer your question, I, I think what makes them such an attractive fish to target is because you, no one has a mastered. Like okay. there's always, you know, there's guys that have got it pretty close mastered. There's quite a few guys that have done very well in, in bass fishing. I'm not just talking tournament guys. I'm talking, you know, trophy hunters and guys that have done that. But I just think because they're, they're not a guarantee to catch and they're, and they throw curveballs and they change it up on you. I think that's what makes them, you know, and they're pretty. I think the, yeah. a lot of guys like the colors of them uh -huh. and they're just so powerful. They, with all that combination, they're like, man, why do these fish do this to us? You know, but then yeah. when we catch them, we're like, yeah, we think we're the man. We think For we're sure. the man. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, then they throw a curveball at us. They're like, yeah. oh, man, maybe we should pick up a golf club. <laughs> so for everybody out there, you know, that doesn't know, what kind of bass do we have uh, in Southern California that you target? Well, most of the lakes, I mean, um, Isabella's, well, a lot of people know Isabella's my favorite lake. It's, it's, oh, is it? It is my favorite lake. The reason why it is. I've been seeing you getting some big bass out of there lately, dude. <laughs> Catch a few once in a while. <laughs> Jeez, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> um, but in California, I think because of the floor, they're Florida bass, uh, -huh. uh the F1 hybrids were a lot of them were the old school fish that were stocked in Castaic, Isabella, Casitas. Um, those are the old, uh, some of the lakes have still got some of the old genes from those fish, the, the um, Florida strain, the Florida strain. Yeah. Okay. Um, now some of the lakes have Northern strain bass, which is not as big as the Florida strain. They don't grow as big, but they're very hardy and they, they survive really well in the winter time. They're easier to catch in the winter because the Florida bass typically hibernate like on this lake you know, you got water temp 46, 47 degrees and the heart of winter, those bass, it's, they're not moving. I mean, you got to literally hit them on the head with a jigging spoon or a jigging pig or a drop shot, and they don't even eat that stuff. So the so. ones in, in the ones in Isabella are Florida strain. Yeah, those okay. are the original. Some of, well, not the originals because those ones are, are not around anymore. But the genes from those original stock are still in this lake. Okay, and they're originally Florida strain stocked in the. 70s i want to say they put them in 60s they, 70s they never put a uh, smallmouth in the lake or did they uh not that i know of, yeah. but we've caught some good smallmouth out of there no way oh yeah i mean really no, i haven't caught a bunch dick trask you probably know that name yeah dick trask caught so, a five pounder i think a four and a half five pounder in isabella in isabella um what? my my buddy jay jay rich in bakersfield he's a super cool guy he caught like a 566 i think it was is this, a, is this still is this recent or uh, is this, this a has been a few years ago i think it was 07 08 no um, there was a run there where guys were getting about maybe 10 or 12 a year go to the regulars really? i haven't seen any lately because the yeah. lake's been so low but yeah. i think some of them have come in from the river uh-huh you know or maybe guys caught them in the river and took them up to the lake which uh -huh. that's a no-no but, yeah. but I, you know it's, it, it's all part of the whole river lake system correct and then they grow you know yeah. small mouth you put you know with they i don't know how many small mouth are in the lake but you don't need many and then they reproduce they're big so you know? so florida strain and then uh we got small mouth what else any other um there's kokanee in here they put no, I mean bass. Oh, bass. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Any, any other? No, not spots. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they, uh, they didn't put any spotted bass in here. I know Kauai and those lakes have spots, uh -huh. but just smallmouth, largemouth, but, but pretty much mostly small, mostly largemouth. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, That's what I thought. Yeah. I didn't know that there was any, there was, they were catching smallmouth in Isabella. Yeah. That's there's interesting. Few, there's still a few in there. I would imagine if this lake comes up, you find them usually by the river. So anything okay, from like, sense. from like free air up to the cemetery mm -hmm. where the river comes in with the current, that's uh, where you find them. Uh -huh. you usually catch them on a spinnerbait too uh -huh. for all the guys out there. Oh, uh, cool, man. <laughs> 
So what's your favorite? Is it small mouth or large mouth? Large mouth. I mean, I, well, okay. I love spots too. I mean, I fish a lot uh-huh. of the, the spotted bass lakes like New Maloney's and uh-huh. Don Pedro and Berryessa. I love those places. But um, I, I love Isabella's large mouth. I mean, they're, they're always going to be because they're just, they're, they're tough, tough to catch, you know. Yeah. So. Let's talk about them for a second. Um, in Isabella, you know, we got this issue where they're constantly lowering the water, raising it up. It's like super low right now. In fact, uh, I think it's so low, it's almost, it's, it's almost right to Rocky Point. It's like getting up, up close to that, you think? Yeah, it's about 12 or 13 feet on the second tiers of, of trees off Rocky Point, yeah. which that should be 27 to 35 feet. And we're only looking at like 13, 14 feet. So the deepest part of the lake is by the dam, yeah. you think? 60 feet, maybe. And then, um, so from what I hear, they're going to fill that sucker up. Well, I hope Have you heard do. that? No. Oh, uh, one of the engineers that works at, uh, the dam was saying that, you know, I think they got maybe a year or a couple of years left to, 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 to get the dam completed, completed or That's something. Correct. And yeah. they're going to like start filling the thing up, man. Wow. That'll be a trip. Huh? That'll be a trip. Yeah. So they, they probably want to test, uh, the dam is what yeah. they're probably going to do. Um, so how, how does that affect, uh, the bass, um, in Isabella? When they, when they, when they're doing that, like the raising the water up and lowering the water, does that, does that hurt the bass it's, population? It, the bass here have adjusted to that because every, throughout the years, since the eighties, since I've been around, they've always been, we call it the dropping is a dropping is a bathtub, you know, or Isabella is always dropping like a bathtub. Uh-huh. But then when the water comes in, it comes in quick, which you know, you know, yeah. flows up river get really high Yeah, and it doesn't take much. You know, you get those, you get those flows super high. This lake can come up quick, quick. Yeah. So the bass have to be kind of, I don't know if they anticipate it, but I feel that the bass bite better, in my opinion, on the dropping water than the raising water. Okay. And I know some guys wouldn't agree with that, but when it starts dropping, the fish have already got their locations that they've been on. You know, they're in the, underneath a tree or they're up on the, in the flume or somewhere in the lake, you know, hiding on, on Rocky Point. Well, as the water drops slowly and they start losing those areas they've already got another area that they've already probably have already mapped out that they're going to, they can nestle in right now. It's ridiculous because lake's going down so fast. The fish have no, I'm surprised the fishing's as good as it is because they have, they're, they're running for their, for their lives. The lakes are dropping so fast. Cause steak, I just heard is dropping a foot a day. Oh man. And Isabella has got to be dropping at least six inches a day. Yeah. And then you got evaporation too. Right. But anyways, so the bass just, I think on the, on the dropping water, as long as they're not pulling it real fast, the bass still bite really good because they have enough water over their heads until, you know, they lose their, their, their haunts, so right. to speak. So, so I like Isabella when it's dropping, uh-huh. but I don't like it when it's dropping when the lake's already low. Right. <laughs> we we right. all like it when the lake's high and yeah. then it starts dropping. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's almost like clockwork too. Like in the spring, um, you'll, you'll find a lot of those fish over by camp nine, mm-hmm. you know, right. Hanging yep. out over there. Top Kissick's water. Kissick's yeah. Cove. Kissick, yeah. Brown's Cove. You yeah. know, Lime Dyke. Yeah. When right. the water's super high, but camp nine's probably one of the best areas because you can catch them on all, like you just said, top water and you got a lot of flats and shrubs and rocks and you yeah. ever, you ever see, uh, or catch a bass with a crappie in its mouth? I have. On Isabella? Yeah. Like, like stuck, uh, not stuck, but a, a good size crappie, probably a 10 inch crappie, Yeah, you know, where the tails, you know, you distinctly, you can see like the, from the tail part where the body starts, you can see the colors yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I went to, um, 
I don't know if I've told you this, but I went to Lake Bacharach. Have you heard of that place? Oh, yeah, in yeah. Mexico. So we went there in April, and I, I went with some other fly fishing dudes. Mm-hmm. And these um, these uh, bass um, had tilapia stuck in their Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we'd be driving along, and there'd be a bass just floating. And we'd go over to it and actually save its life by taking the tilapia. Because oh, he was choking he on was it. He was choking on it, yeah. So you helped him out. Yeah, helped him, both of them out. Yeah, and uh, the tilapia went too? Swam away totally, too? Totally, yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, talk about gluttons. Mm-hmm. But um, that was that place is pretty cool. That's I'd cool. love to go there with you, man. Yeah, that'd you be fish fun. your stuff. Yeah. And, yeah I'd love be, to get out here with you. We can make this our little mini back out. rack, you it, know. Dude, I, I, I don't know this lake. I mean, I, I fished it. I'm, I'm usually doing the fly fishing for carp thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the crappie, but the bass thing is kind of a mystery yeah. to me. So it'd be fun. Is, Isabel is one of the best lakes. I mean, a lot of guys that fish it, they know it's kind of a, you know, the lake's a lot of the way for everybody. And it's got the wind, the winds, the some, winds of the gnarly, worst, yeah. some of the worst wind in probably the world, you know, but it's stuck out there. No, uh, yeah. But, but when <laughs> Have the you? Condition, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. When the conditions are right though, Isabella is a special place. And I think a lot of the guys like ourselves that live up here and, yeah. you know, we, we know there's some nice fish in this lake and it's, um, it's nice that we have the river to to have that too, which oh, is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about water temps and in the bass? So, what, what's their favorite? Like on Isabella, is it like the seventy degree mark or sixty five? Sixty three to seventy. Uh-huh. I, I think they like closer to seventy here than anything because it's kind of like all all the game fish are kind of really active. Even trout, you know, in the lake right. at seventies, good temp for them. You know, everybody's kind of moving around and. You know, the 60s are good for trout, obviously, but the bass are going to feed on the trout. So I think the the, I think the bass at 70 degrees can run down more trout and and be more aggressive and then also have a a plenty, a plentiful uh, um, which I say the um, population of crawdads and bluegill because everything comes out at 70 degrees pretty much. So I like fishing 65 to 70 on this lake okay and so it, when it's getting around that does it ever get higher than that like into the push into the 80s oh, and, yeah, and they 80, slow down we're 81 right now 82 are they and slowing it, down um, at all? They're, they're, they? they're hitting top water pretty good in the morning oh man and like then, first light first light but, oh. they, but it's only good for about an hour and yeah. then and then they start slowing down they start getting in whatever deep water they can get into uh-huh. and then you gotta throw you know a drop shot a texas rig worm um i like to fish a lot of purple worms in this lake especially in the hot time of the year it seems like purple gets bit really good and then how big how big are the purple um, worms anywhere from four and a half to ten inch oh, but okay. i usually throw a lot of the robo seven inch robo worms six inch robo worms on a drop shot uh-huh. and i like to just use that that color seems to really show up in the hot bright sun uh-huh. and the bass like it I mean, i've heard that yeah, yeah yeah there's other purple. colors but purple is my favorite color what about pink you ever use pink? um like the morning dawn color pink is uh-huh. good from robo i like that one it's, uh-huh. that one works good here in the cold months uh, oh, does it? spring months yeah mm-hmm. so different lakes okay so going down so now it's coming down the temperature is coming down to 50 degrees now mm-hmm. what are, now what are they doing so they're gonna be on a crawdad bite come halloween first of november oh yeah um, these fish will be eating crawdads <clears throat> and you'll catch them on deep dive and crankbaits. Uh, some of my DT Rapalas and the Red Craw are really good. Uh, crawdads are kind of right now kind of a, a, a lipstick red with a little bit of black. And then once they get into the more fall, they turn more kind of brownish orange. And then they'll kind of get into kind of a reddish color towards the heart of winter. Um, but the crawdad bite will be really good. So I know guys, there's still some guys that will throw live crawdads out here, the old timers. Um, <clears throat> but I like to fish the crowded cranks. I like to fish uh-huh. a jig. 
those are all good in the first of November, uh, middle of October. It depends when it cools down. I think what last year it didn't cool down until right. like Halloween. You so know? when they're when they're at fifty <clears throat> degree water temps, are they how how deep with the will they go? Uh, on they? a normal lake, if this lake's high or semi high, they'll be down in about twenty five to forty five. Okay, uh, off Rocky Point, off Engineers Point, uh-huh. but since we don't have that depth. Fish can't, gonna, the fish can't go anywhere. They got to. They're going to be shallow. So you just got to. I mean, they're not going to be feeding as much, but it's going to be a little easier to get them. But the bigger fish are going to suspend out in the trees. Those are going to be the ones that aren't going to get caught very often. Maybe a jig and spoon or maybe a swim bait. But um, but when the water temp gets down to fifty, you don't have a lot of options. You know, it's you're trying to keep yourself warm too, because the wind's probably going to blow. <laughs> so okay, so it comes around November, December. Are you not fishing here? I'll fish this lake until the week before Christmas. Okay. And then I Sounds won't, right. and then I won't fish this place again until probably March 1st. And, and then where do you go? Uh, I'll stay on diamond Valley, uh, okay. San Vicente. I'll stay in San Diego a lot because San Diego's weather stays pretty consistent. Okay. So I'll fish San V El Cap. Um, Hodges isn't open until February. So my, my months for my guiding are pretty much, uh, November, Jan or November, December, January, February, are a combination of a uh, little bit up this way, but mostly San Diego, Diamond Valley, and those lakes because they don't get that cold. Yeah, not like these mountain lakes do. Pyramids, right. pyramids, pretty cold too. Is in the it? Winter. Yeah. What about so. stripers? You ever do striper stuff? Or? Uh, stripers. Or? If I get, if I run across them, I will. Yeah. I mean, when you're guiding, it's, fun, it's yeah. like they're fun. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. of stripers are pound and a half to three pounders. Mm-hmm. Um, schooly type stripers. Um, clients love them. I love them too. They're sure. fun to catch for sure. So we'll uh, we'll stumble upon a few and then. They're good fish tacos too. Right, know, taking them home. What's your uh, What's your favorite technique? My favorite technique, God, I gotta. I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, yeah. I, I like the top water. Uh, I like the top water. Yeah. I, I love the jig fish. Yeah, jig yeah. fish. I mean, there's so many Texas rig it worm, rubber worm, but yeah. um, I like throwing a shad wrap, a little a little wrap of a shad wrap, or or a countdown, small little minnow type, because those things get bit year round. You can always catch them even if it's cold. Um, Rapala has been a long sponsor of mine. So it's like they make, my opinion, some of the finest crankbaits because they're real, real realistic, that swimming action. Yeah. And I think everybody's throwing a Rapala one or, once or twice in their life. Um, but I like throwing a, a shad wrap on a spinning rod. It's kind of cool for a steak and a little bit up here and Pyramid and Lake Mead, different places. But um, if I'm up here in the wintertime and I'm going for big fish, I have two rods. I'll throw a big swim bait like a Huddleston or an MC swim bait. And you ever throw those big trout? Lure? Yeah, the trout, the trout yeah. Huddleston's, oh, yeah, the Huddleston's or okay. the, or the, the MC swim bait, right. or I'll just put a, a I'll put a big jig on, you know, a brown uh-huh. jig or a black jig and put a big craw or a piece of pork on it, Uncle Josh, and go after it. You know, nice. you may, you may not get many bites, but the ones you get are going to be donkeys. So, uh, low pressure, high pressure moon phase. <clears throat> That's a great I'm just question. picking your brain, no, bro. It's hey, right. guy, man, this, is, this is awesome. This is, yeah. this is, this is what it's about. Um, yeah. That's a great question right yeah. there. I, yeah. I get that uh, here and there, but I, mm-hmm. I know that you're big on the moon too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't like the full moon. <laughs> that's the first thing I'm going to say about that right? is I don't like the full moon. Now, the full moon actually surprised me the last month up right. here because right. the fishing's been so good that the fishing was decent. But I like fishing. What do you think it is about that damn full moon? Well, I can tell you what it is. What it's, is uh, it? it? The fish are eating at They're night. Grubbing, They're huh? grubbing all night long <laughs> because they, they, they have that light. It's like somebody putting a, a flashlight on your steak. I mean, yeah. it's right there. You can right. see it, you know. And especially if you're in the dark, you're not going to eat a steak in the dark. But if I put a flashlight up, you're going to be like, yeah, I can get to it. 
but those fish just eat all night long. And then when the daylight comes out, it just, it's, it, it, they just don't want to eat. And I'm sure you have that happen in the trout, right? Totally. And it's Absolutely. just like you're, you, yeah. you can make the perfect presentation. Yeah. You can have the perfect fly. Right. You can have the perfect setup. And they just don't want to eat. Where the hell are they? I know. And they're there. That's the thing is they're there. Yeah. They just don't want to eat. So, okay. What about the pressure and the high, low and high, high pressure the, for the, you? The high, the high pressure is okay. Um, it's the barometric pressure. I don't really, I don't really, I don't think that's as, is, is hurtful as the moon. Um, ideal moons, a quarter or a half moon. Um, even the no moon sometimes can be a little tough cause maybe the fish is, it's, it's a little bit, uh, dark for them uh-huh. and they don't see the lures as well because some of the dirty water lakes, you know, the fish are kind of be going through like maybe vibrations they are going to be feeling for vibrations instead of sight. Because the bass, bass don't really have good sight. They never have. They, they just do all on their, on their smell and their the the vibration. You know, their their peripheral vision's uh-huh. decent. But um, quarter moon or half moon, I like those are like right now. I think we're at like a quarter, like a little sliver. Are you going tomorrow? Uh, no, I'm oh. taking a couple of days off. Oh, actually. good for you, man. You gotta go fishing, huh? <laughs> I'm just kind of relax here. I'm actually gonna sleep in. Is what I'm gonna do. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I don't I don't take many days off, but it's nice just to relax up here and. This is my, you know, area up here. I like to just relax. I can't believe that, uh, that you live on Berlando or your house, your dad has yeah. a house there and I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. I can't just right up Berlando since 81, man. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about your guiding. Yeah. So when did you start guiding? I started guiding, uh, I was doing it part time in, I think it was 2004, 2005. I started doing, I was, uh, working at Budweiser kind of a, as a, you know, college job or summer job. And then what I was, did you do there? I was, uh, I was actually driving a truck and oh, I, yeah? Uh, yeah. And I did some merchandising, which was cool. Oh, yeah. So I did yeah. too. I did too for Coca-Cola. Oh, there you go. So yeah, back yeah. in the day, that keeps you in shape. Keeps oh, both of us in shape. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I did that and then, but I was fishing all the time too on the weekends. And then I started, you know, just taking out some friends and I kind of started with friends. I started taking them out and then yeah. I started taking some sponsors out and I'm like, this is a pretty cool deal. You know, I'm going out and putting them on fish and yeah. trying to get them on certain lakes. And then I was like, this fits, you know, it kind of fits. But I started talking to some of the other guides, you know, there's guys that have been doing it a long time at, you know, like Troy Folkstead. And there was like a bunch of guys that were fishing, you know, um, you know, all these different uh, guides that were fishing, you know, years and years and good friends of mine, too. And it's like I started talking to them and um don avino i know him very well and we all know don and he's he was guiding uh where's he guiding at? he, he was guiding oh, he's doing lawrence stuff now oh. he does he does oh, okay. he does like uh on the water lawrence uh things oh okay so he was doing that and then um i'm trying to think um his son i think was guiding gene and he kind of helped me out kind of with pyramid and castake and i was like this is pretty cool. And I didn't really didn't know i do, i wanted to do it but i wanted to hey i want to try this and if i can make a couple bucks doing it why not Great. So I started doing that and I guess, uh, it just started kind of accumulating a little bit and I started picking up clients and people wanted to go fishing and I was working at Turner's at the time. So Turner's was, was big, you know, when I was working there and then, um, started going into all the places. And then before you know it, you know, you're around all the stores, uh, Angler's Marine. I mean, I love that store. I'm in there all the time. So, um, Rick and Kyle and all the guys there, they're super great. And, you know, you've got all, it's like a candy store. So people are coming in and I had my cards and pretty soon, you know, you're like, man, this is pretty cool. We can go out and, uh, you know, take people out. And I started doing it and then people started calling me and they wanted to do some guide trips. And, I'm, you know, had my own, you know, 
pamphlets and yeah. <laughs> cards and awesome. prices and you know it's just it's cool how, so, how many how many days do you guide now like i'm pretty yeah. much right now i've been you know since the spring i'm about five days a week oh awesome so it's cool That's I, like, good, I like taking the weekends off if i can but yeah. I, I get guys that want to go the weekends and For i think sure. the weekends are cool too if they yeah. can get out so i try to take you know i try to take maybe tuesday off and say sundays if i'm not you know, guiding, uh, if I'm guiding on a Saturday, but usually it's Monday through Friday and then I can have the weekends off to relax and good for you, man. You know, so you got to have a break, I guess a little bit. I, so you do you take, you take out beginners too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey. I love taking out kids and beginners, uh-huh. you know, and it's and great. How, how do you, you just, you get them on a spinning rod and just have them throw crankbaits and stuff or yeah. Uh, what do you, is that what you do? Yeah. You kind of see, like, you kind of ask them, I'll talk to them before and say, Hey, you know, what, if you guys have, you know, gone out and done trout fishing or bass fishing or something like, what are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And if they say a spinning rod, you know, I'm assuming maybe a spinning rod, but again, some people have thrown, you know, push buttons. They've thrown bait casters yeah. for steelhead or walleye, whatever. Um, but I'll say, Hey, you know, a spinning rod. And then I'll usually set them up with like a little, a little shad wrap or Apollo, see if they can, you know, work those. And I teach them how to throw those. And then we'll throw like a sinker or a drop shot. The drop shot's always a good, you know, bait. You can always catch a few fish on it. So, but I like to, I like to do a lot of lure fishing for, with all my clients from the beginners two guys that fish a lot of big tournaments like we i love to throw the crankbaits spinner baits because that's stuff that i think more people are not familiar with you know maybe out here because california is more of a finessing game finesse fishing clear water light line but there's a lot of good opportunities for big crankbaits spinner baits stuff like that and i think with people that are learning how to fish i think just getting the casting down and the presentation down is half the battle you know, it makes them a better fisherman when they, when they slow down. What's your, what's your favorite type of client? My favorite type of client is a client that's, uh, that has fun, you know, that, that goes out there and, uh, exactly. yeah. And, and loves just being out there. I mean, we ultimately as a guide and you know, this, you know, they, we definitely want to put them on fish, which that's, that's, a, that's a main focus, but I love a client that's out there and that appreciates the nature appreciates having fun maybe he's been working a lot and he just wants to get away from his job and just out there and enjoying the fresh air because that right there he's already got a positive attitude and whatever happens happens you know and he's they're excited for that so that's kind of my it's awesome you know my guys i I agree with that 100 percent. yeah do you have like a guide day that you remember like is was just like the most epic you could ever imagine like, you know, in the years that you've been guiding, that one that stands out? There's, yeah, there's a lot of them, but I've yeah. had, I'm trying to think, there's, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of uh, great memories. Um, God, it's hard to name them, too, because there's been a lot of lakes, a lot of, from Diamond Valley to here to Hodges. Um, Has there been, what, what's, what's like the the biggest fish that your one of your clients has ever caught like have you just been like oh my god I, i've never even caught one of those Is yeah the big, the biggest fit, biggest bass my clients ever caught um i had a guy catch a 12 pounder which was big on um, isabella uh one close to 12 on isabella but the, this one <clears throat> this one that he caught was at uh, hodges uh-huh. and then um i've had guys catch probably them. more stoked than he was <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but you know they get a big fish it, it, oh, yeah. they're in shock you oh, know it's almost oh. like you have to shake them a little yeah, bit because they are check in this shock. thing out yeah right. it's crazy. diamond valley a lot of big fish i mean I, I think the biggest fish uh probably 12 pounds that i've had a client catch 
which is a huge bass. Um, a lot of tens, a lot of nines, a lot of guys with personal best, which that's something I've kind of, you know, over the years, you know, makes me smile. It's, For it's, sure. It's, 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 it's not an easy feat, but guys come out and, you know, I think maybe even trout fishing, you may get this. Hey, For guys sure. coming from play. Hey man, is there any way I can get a seven pound brown or a six pound <laughs> brown? It's like, I get that guys. Yeah. Hey, they want to come out and catch a 10 pound bass. Well, 10 pound bass don't grow on trees. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little hard. <laughs> I wish they did, yeah, right. but, but I've been fortunate to get guys on a lot of big fish over the years. And I think that's something that's, a lot of that goes with my the knot tying and the line I use. I like maximum. I'm gonna say it because it's like my favorite thing in fishing is though is the line. Uh-huh. And I think the maxima for myself. Um, there's a lot of great lines out there. A lot of great braids, lines, fluorocarbons. But for me, that I've noticed in 20 years of doing this, the maxima monofilm it has that really strong abrasion resistance, and it's like just strong line from their five pound all the way to 20. Okay. And I know it's saved me on numerous times with either line that was frayed from going in a stick or rock and we were able to get the net underneath and net that fish or just the knot strength, you know, because you get sometimes where, you know, you probably know this on some of your fibers, sometimes your drag gets a little too tight. Yeah. Maybe the client maybe adjusted the drag, whatever it may be. And then also you can break off. So I felt that the lines helped me in monofilm. It's got a little more stretch, but there's just a lot of good lines out there, but I think I've, it's like one of those, that. you run what you brung and I'm kind of old school like that. And I, I don't know how many guys use mono anymore. They really don't unless they're throwing top water cause it floats. How much, how much longer are you going to guide for? I want to guide till I'll be 42 in about a week. So I w I'd like to guide till I'm, I'd like to guide till I'm about 65. Nice. I'd like to do another, yeah. another 20 years, say right on maybe 25. Uh-huh. And then by then maybe just, you think you'll have it mastered by then? Well, I don't think I'll have it mastered, but, <laughs> right. but, but you know, that's, that's yeah. something I've, I've thought about. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, yeah. it's, as long as the body can do it, I, I feel good still, yeah, but, I've, exactly. but I've, but 20 years I can feel it, you know, I yeah. mean, you're doing it all the time and up and out of the boat. And I mean, you know, I'm not For telling sure. you anything different, you know, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's, it's, we it's do it physical. as long as we can, but it's very physical, yeah. you know, and we're out in the weather and. You know, I think with now all the clothing and all the hats and stuff that's helping us, that's going to give us a little more longevity Yeah. because it's, um, we're out in the sun, it's scary out there, you know, for skin cancer and stuff, you gotta be very careful. So if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to, to go guiding on the many lakes that you, uh, guide on, how would they get a hold of you? You can go, um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can go on my website, rustybasshook.com. And then, um, you know, you can personal message me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, that's, that's the easiest way. And then I still do get a lot of emails, you know, guys will, guys will go on there and on my website and it's got all my email address and it's, uh-huh. uh, I still get the old school. I know email, it's funny how emails are kind of an old, old thing, right? man, isn't it? I, I know. I, I message you on Facebook, man. Yeah. We were communicating through that. Remember when emails were like, everybody did yeah, that. And now yeah. it's like, I mean, for our, even our phone numbers now these days, you right. really don't need somebody's phone number. You can get a hold, you can just find the person. Right. It's just crazy. But, um, no, I, but I appreciate everybody. It's, you know, booking with me and, and, and enjoys this great sport. You know, if it's bass trout and, uh, it's, uh, very, very happy and lucky. I can do it for a living and, and, and do it. Right. So it's super fun. Rusty Brown. Thanks so much for being here, brother. Dude, man. I learned you, a lot. You, man. Thank you for having me. guy. Yeah, I appreciate everything dude. you do. And, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, brother. Let's see. Get this thing. Here we go. Yeah. Go. Cool. Yeah, out. man. Thanks, Let's Rusty. Go. You're welcome, buddy. That's a lot to talk about. That's cool. <laughs>
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.